Ciao, my name is Umberto Mucci and this is We The Italian News, a podcast about Italy during coronavirus times. Today is Friday, March 5, 2021. The data say that we have administered the first dose of the vaccine to 4,945,000 people, 8.16% of the population. 1,540,000 Italians received the second dose too. The ranking of the regions by percentage of vaccinations made compared to the doses delivered say that in the first three places from the top are Valle d'Aosta, Tuscany and Campania <coughs> and once again in the last three places from the bottom are Calabria, Sardinia and Liguria. Things are still going too slowly but yesterday was the day with the highest number of vaccination ever in Italy in a single day, 160,000 compared to 100,000 in previous days. So it's good that we're moving in the right direction. However, on average in Italy, 28% of the doses are still in the fridge. And, this is, and it is expected that this percentage will drop after the government's decision to push the regions not to keep spare doses for booster shots, but to vaccinate at least with the first dose as many people as possible. At the moment, Italy is 12th in the world for vaccines administered, third in the European Union. <clears throat> now, in each video, I update you on the best and the worst regions in the administration of vaccines, but it is worth explaining how much difference there is between the first and the last. Valle d'Aosta, the best, has inoculated 90% of the doses delivered. The worst, Calabria, only 58%. It's a really big difference. This is why the new government's strategy is to help the regions that are lagging behind with logistics and personnel. But it is not the only decision of the new government to increase its Italian vaccine capacity. Producing many more anti-COVID vaccines in Italy from next autumn was the topic of a meeting between the government and representatives of Italy's pharmaceutical industry. Many companies in Italy would be ready to produce many more vaccines because they already have or will soon have the necessary bioreactors and fermentation equipment. Production of the bulk vaccines could potentially take off within four to six months after regulators' authorization. Many of us wonder why the previous government did not do this. If it had been done when Europe authorized the vaccines that are distributed today, we would already be ready today to be autonomous in the production and we could accelerate much more the vaccination, saving many more Italian lives. <coughs> But the most sensational decision of the new government regarding vaccines has been the stop to the export of 250,000 doses of AstraZeneca vaccine produced in Italy and destined for Australia, where among other things the situation of contagion is much, but much better than here. The head of the Italian government, Mario Draghi, has stopped the shipment of these doses because AstraZeneca has reduced those promises to Italy and therefore it is right to prevent those produced in Italy to be shipped abroad. Also because the CEO of AstraZeneca had said that the doses produced and intended for Europe would not be shipped abroad, but now, thanks to the Italian intervention, Europe is realizing that at least one third of the entire internal production of AstraZeneca vaccine ends up outside the EU. This is the first case of European Union powers being used in a long-simmering dispute between the European Union and vaccine makers. In theory, the problem would not exist, it is an open market. But AstraZeneca is in serious delay in the delivery of vaccines opted by Europe and justifies itself with drops in performance of its plans. 
until AstraZeneca will not deliver all the doses promised and until now has guaranteed the supply of only 10% of the commitments, Europe will therefore prevent any further export of vaccines produced in Europe. With this de decision, Italy has de facto taken the European leadership in the fight against the pandemic. It's the first time that Italy, usually hesitant and used to a wait-and-see strategy, imposes to European partners the direction in which to go a completely new direction than before. With Draghi, many things are changing, including Italy's role in the European Union. Yesterday was released an analysis of the Italian Institute of Statistics that revealed really bad data on the economic conditions of Italians due to the pandemic. Despite the various laws and regulations to have the population put in place since the beginning of the pandemic, Italy ended 2020 with 1 million more people in absolute poverty, corresponding to about 335,000 more poor families. So at the moment we have a total of over 2 million poor families for 5.6 million citizens in a condition of absolute poverty. This is the worst figures since 2005. The North, most affected by the pandemic and its consequences, sees an increase of 700,000 units in the number of poor people out of total of 1 million. The gap between the North and the South has narrowed, but on the downside, because the North has worsened more than the South. The greatest increase in poverty regards the adult age bracket from 35 to 64 years, plus 29.4%, followed by young people from 18 to 34 years, 21 plus 21.3% and minors plus 18.4%. The increase does not affect the elderly population nor those who have retired from work. The availability of pensions remain and guarantees the maintenance of the previous situation. On the contrary, in these years pensions have been a resource for other family members. Particularly worrying is the data of children. The 13.6% of Italian kids are poor. The 13.6% of Italian kids are poor, followed by young people with 11.4%. These are terrible figures. <coughs> I don't want to end this video with this awful data on Italian poverty, so I'll give you two pieces of good news about Rome, my city, even if they can't diminish much the concern about the previous news. The first good news is that Roma's Fiumicino, Fiumicino Airport known officially as Leonardo da Vinci, has been rated Europe's best airport for the quality of its services for the fourth year in a row. The recognition is awarded by Airport Council International, the international association that interviews passengers to measure perceived quality in over 350 airports all over the world. It's the first time in the history of uh, the uh, Airports Council International surveys that the same airport wins the top prize for four consecutive years and it's particularly important after one of the most difficult years ever for the travel air travel sector among the services most appreciated by fiumicino's passengers are the cleanliness of the terminals the clarity of information to the public the courtesy of the staff the waiting time at security checks and the facilities at the airport the second good news about rome <coughs> is that La Sapienza University in Rome, my university, has been ranked the top university in the world for classical studies and ancient history in the 2021 edition of the Quacquarelli Simons World University Rankings. The result, which reconfirms rankings held in 2018 and 2019, 
since Rome knocked Oxford off the podium and also makes La Sapienza the only Italian university to boast an absolute first place at an international level. The Rome University also came 10th in archaeology, first in Italy. It's so for now. It's so for today. Uh, things are getting worse uh, about the contagion in Italy. I'll tell you more in the next video next Monday. Please stay safe and stay healthy. My name is Umberto Mucci. This was We The Italian News. Ciao from Rome.